Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Final Word on Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. It's November 24th. I'm your host, Gabriela Silva-Ponte. Today, I'm coming at you with yet another live segment, and we'll be covering stories from the Rainbow Bridge crash to the business valuation challenge to the the new tax exemption on counseling and psychotherapy. As always, let's first take a look at today's top news, as reported by Gabrielle Hiltley. to Met Radio, 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm Gabrielle Hilti. These are the top stories today. The blast on the American side of the Niagara Falls border to Canada kills two people. New details on the Rainbow Bridge reopening with terrorism ruled out. A new report says the oil and gas sector need to slash emissions to have a chance to meet climate goals. This out just ahead of next week's United Nations Climate Conference. And the coverage of the escalation in the Middle East creating rifts in journalism. An investigation says CTV and parent Bell Media suppress critical coverage of Israel's war on Gaza. Let's look at the headlines. The Rainbow Bridge at the Niagara Falls border to Canada is expected to reopen today. This comes after a car crash and explosion on Wednesday that killed two people on the American side of the border. CBC News reports the mayor of Niagara Falls, Ontario, expects the bridge to open back up to traffic shortly after investigation and cleanup efforts. The FBI in Buffalo determined Wednesday evening that the explosion did not have any connections to terrorism. The identity of the two victims of the crash are still unknown. Officials in New York say the explosion causes complications and describe the vehicle as close to incinerated. The final decision to reopen the bridge will be made by U.S. Customs and the Niagara Falls Bridge Commission. All other border crossings in the region, like the Lewiston-Queensway and the Peace Bridge, are fully open after briefly closing on Wednesday. CBC News also reports the incident immediately generated reaction in the political scene. In the U.S., a candidate for the Republican presidential nomination used it to push a campaign point of a border wall between Canada and the U.S. The accident also made waves here. Conservative Party leader Pierre Polyevre on Wednesday cited inaccurate reports of a terrorism attack to question Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in the House of Commons. In climate news, a new report says the high-emission oil and gas industries need to change course to save the climate. Global News reports on the Thursday findings from the International Energy Agency, IEA. They say the current investment of 800 billion US dollars a year in the oil and gas industry needs to be cut in half. The greenhouse gas emissions from the sector will also need to fall by 60% to give the world a chance at meeting key goals to limiting climate change. The Guardian reports the findings from the IEA come just ahead of the United Nations Climate Conference COP28 slated to start next week. The IEA's executive director, Fatih Birol, says the industry faces a moment of truth and, quote, continuing with business as usual is neither socially nor environmentally responsible, quote. The IEA says rising public outrage could play a factor as the link between extreme weather and carbon emissions 
is understood by more people. Executive Director Biron says oil and gas companies only spend around 2.5% of their capital on clean energy, with the remaining 97.5% going to traditional business areas. Next, rifts in the journalism industry with the coverage of the escalation in the Middle East. A new investigation says CTV and parent company Bell Media distort the truth on Israel's violence in Gaza. The findings from independent news outlet The Breach say CTV directed journalists not to use the word Palestine and suppressed critical coverage of Israel's war on Gaza. These findings are based on internal emails obtained by The Breach along with interviews with several employees at CTV. The CTV journalists, under anonymity, say senior producers and editors said not to report on protests for a ceasefire. They also say stories with too much information on Israel's occupation of Palestine were blocked or delayed. Internal directive emails to journalists across Bell Media obtained by the breach say not to use Palestine as a descriptor, as, quote, Palestine as a nation does not currently exist, quote. The breach reports that Palestine has the status of observer state at the United Nations and is recognized as a state by 139 of the 193 United Nations member states. Journalists who talk to the breach say the directives are part of a wider culture at Bell Media with an extremely tense workplace. Bell Media provided a statement in response to inquiries from the breach, saying, quote, our news organization always ensures coverage is balanced, factual, accurate, and fair. For Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto, I'm your host, Gabriel Hilti. Have a good weekend. Again, that was Gabriel Hilti. Thanks, Gabriel. Meanwhile, Toronto Metropolitan University's team placed third at this year's Canadian Business Valuation Challenge. The team was composed of Billy Arsenault, Dennis Chan, George Chibukchian, and Vanch Saini. Twenty-one teams from Canada's top business schools joined the Business Valuation Challenge this year, and TMU placed third, which is a pretty good ranking if you ask me. According to the press release, they'll also be receiving a monetary compensation of $2,500. That's some good money. So I spoke to the Chartered Business Valuator Institute's president and CEO, Christine Sawchuk, uh, because I was having a pretty difficult time understanding the challenge myself. Uh, So to help you understand it as well, let's have a listen to her explanation of the organization and the challenge itself. So CBC Institute is Canada's only uh, professional organization that is focused on providing education and accreditation in business valuation. And we offer the Chartered Business Valuator designation. The Business Valuation Challenge is um, an initiative that we're really excited about. And it's a challenge, uh, essentially a case competition that we invite university students from across Canada to participate in, undergraduate students specifically um, from business schools. And what we do is develop a case that's focused on business valuation. And it's developed by our members, CBB, so it's actually uh, quite challenging, um, but it's also very interesting. And it's a two-day case. And in the first day, 
uh, university students um, who have received the case in advance uh, present their findings and opinions and evaluation conclusions to a slate of judges. And the judges that we use, um, we're fortunate enough to have a very engaged and um, motivated membership base. Um, and a lot of volunteers. So we use our members, our Chartered Business Evaluator members as judges, and they provide input uh, to the teams when they present, um, both from a technical aspect, so their actual calculations and the values that they're coming up with, but also on areas of professionalism, um, such as communication, presentation skills, um, professional demeanor and conduct. Um, And then after the first day of presentations, the judges decide on the top uh, teams that should um, proceed to the second round, the finalist um, round. And so on day two, we have the top five teams uh, compete for a brand new slate of judges. And from those top teams, um, we come up with uh, the top three and the top three uh, teams get uh, monetary prizes as well as free enrollment uh, for the first place team in um, our course, our first course in our program of studies. Sachuk also discussed what teams have to do to win the challenge and the evaluation process. It's a good question. I think the answer is really twofold. The first is that their answer needs to have, um, you know, technical acuity. They need to be able to Um, digest a case and pick out the important elements of value. Um, So pick out what are the cash flow drivers providing value to the business? What is the risk inherent in this business? And come up with an evaluation conclusion. So the technical aspect is one piece of the case. The other piece really um, to be, um, you know, a, a medalist in this competition is that they need to have a strong uh, professional presence. So we're really looking at um, presentation skills, uh, communication skills. Are they identifying the appropriate audience in the case? Are they communicating with our judges in a way that we expect them to? Uh, so as an example, if, if the intended audience in the case is a, um, for example, a board of directors, we are looking to see that the students are communicating with our judges as if they were a board of directors. Um, so really, like I said, it's twofold. It's, it's the technical acuity of what they're doing. So are they calculating value appropriately? And are they communicating that value in a way um, that is professional and uh, to a level that the judges would expect of a, of a young professional, really? And she also went into detail about why challenges like these are so important and what other upcoming events are happening. Yes, that's a a great question. I think it's important for um, a number of reasons. First and foremost, uh, the business valuation profession is is booming right now. It's um, demand for for CBVs for our members and even registered students in our program of studies is at an all-time high. Um, So really, it's important from us, for us from from a public interest perspective to make sure that we, um, you know, expose our profession and our program of studies to the next uh, generation of professionals so that they know that there is a a great profession out there that they can enter into. Um, We also believe in, you know, assisting the next generation of of leaders and hopefully business valuation leaders and, and, you know, growing their professional skills uh, and communication skills and, and, and technical skills. So that's part of our mandate as well. And the last point that I'd add is that 
we want um, students and the next generation of, of business leaders uh, to be aware of the fantastic opportunities in the business valuation profession. I just mentioned that uh, demand for CBBs is at, all, at an all-time high, um, but the, the flip side of that really is that our members are um, engaged in their careers, they're excited about their work, um, and they're paid very well to do it. So it's it's a win-win on, on all sides um, in terms of, you know, um, demand for for our professionals and what our professionals are getting out of their job. Sure. The next business valuation challenge uh, will be next fall. It's an annual event, so we will communicate um, the dates to last year's, or I should say this year's participants, uh, well in advance so that they um, really have the first crack at uh, um, um, signing up again if they wish to participate. Um, and we have webinars throughout the year and seminars throughout the year that students and, and the public are, are more than welcome to sign up for uh, if they wish. Um, our annual conference, which we call a Connect, is in Montreal next year. And that's also open to the business public. Uh, we provide student and academic pricing. If university students or university professors um, see a session that they would be interested in attending, um, they're more than welcome to join us and, and network at the conference. Um, and there's also a, a virtual uh, option that they can, they can sign up for if they simply don't have the, the means or the time to get out to Montreal, then they can certainly sign up um, for the online attendance and join us that way. Finally, the Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association has a new win. Minister of Finance Christia Freeland announced in her fall economic statement that psychotherapy and counseling therapy will now be exempt from taxes. The CCPA has been advocating for the GST and HST exemption for over a decade, which is why this is so exciting. I spoke with the organization's president, Carrie Foster, about what CCPA is and this campaign. The CCPA is a represent an association that represents over 14,000 um, counselors, uh, psychotherapists across uh, Canada, north, south, east, west, right? Um, and we represent them in that we um, help them make contact. It's a community of therapists uh, in counseling and psychotherapists that work together. We help to support them doing advocacy work, uh, getting their services and who they are known out there in the public and um, as you know we've just had a huge success with our GST uh, HST um, campaigning that we've been doing over the last uh, 10 years if not more yeah there are a lot of uh, people that especially since the pandemic the public that has been looking for services and uh, counseling therapists and psychotherapists have been obliged to pay um, gst hst so we're talking you know 15 percent if not more depending on the provinces and i'm not 100 percent sure of all the provinces break down but uh the tax on their services which is something that um psychologists don't have to do uh that count um social workers don't have to do or any of the other mental health professions basically don't have to charge taxes just the counselors and the psychotherapists 
So we've been advocating because that's different than that means perhaps another three, four sessions per client um, to consolidate their learning. So for them, it's, it's you know, a charge that, that um, means they don't have the, as many because it's out of pocket for a lot of people because that's another issue is that the insurance companies don't necessarily um, recognize counselors and psychotherapists. So the counselors and psychotherapists aren't um, built into their plans and their offerings that they offer to the different companies um, that buy every year uh, insurance policy for their employees, right? So there's a, a whole a whole chain of events that happen and hopefully this is going to be the jumping point so that insurance companies will get more on board and including counseling therapy and and psychotherapy within their offerings to the larger companies but it also means that basically the public the general public will be able to have more services more sessions to consolidate their their healing process right which is the bottom line is we're there to serve the public. This comes after a petition by the CCPA was signed by over 14,000 Canadians. Right, so it's been up on our website. It's a a petition that asks people to sign um, and it gets sent automatically to um, to their member of parliament federal member of parliament so that petition has and still goes around um and you know people can sign it they can find it online at the ccpa um, website and that would be great because that's been something that's you know the public and and obviously counselors and psychotherapists and psychologists and and social workers i mean a lot of people have signed that over the past Oh, how many years have we been running that campaign? At least five, anyway, if not since the beginning. So, um, yeah, that I think has been really helpful, and it gives people a chance to to voice what they want too, right? Not just what the government thinks is best for them. And I always believe that you know we know what we want as people. Yes, the government represents us, but it's so important that the um, that the the general public participate in in what is their lives, right? If you're looking for psychotherapy or counseling therapy, Foster explains what this means for you. Well, it means perhaps that they will be, well, two things. It means that there's a 15% taxes that they don't have to pay any longer to their to their therapist. Um, it there's also means that um, perhaps there will be greater recognition for counselors and therapists, which means there will be more therapists that they can turn to and have covered by their insurance. Um, and people will know more about the fact that counselors and psychotherapists are out there, not just social workers, psychiatrists, and, and psychologists. So that gives a, a wealth of people they can turn to for their mental health needs. Lastly, Foster told me what this meant for herself and for the CCPA. Well, it also means the recognition um, for 
the counselors and the psychotherapists out there across, you know, whether or not they even belong to the CCPA. We have 14,000 members, but there are also other associations that not, you know, provincially that people don't necessarily belong to. Um, uh, you know, so there, there are there's hundreds of thousands of individuals that are going to get the services. It's a recognition for the for those professions um, as well, I think, and, and that's that's super exciting. It's been a long campaign. A lot of people have written in. There have been ministers that have put forth um, private practice bills. The um, Minister Ellison also, I cannot remember her name offhand, but there's another um, another minister that, um, Matheson, that put forth uh, as well a private member's bill to try and get this passed. So this time it's worked. So we're, we're really excited for that. And just in case you're wondering, she discussed what the difference is between psychologists, psychiatrists or social workers, and psychotherapists and counseling therapists. Well, I I mean, I don't want to speak for social workers and psychologists, but generally speaking, psychologists do uh, psychotherapy, but they also diagnose um, and counselors, counseling therapists and psychotherapists do psychotherapy and they they also but they cannot rather um diagnose so so that's the main difference there That's our show. You've been listening to The Final Word on Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm Gabriela Silvaponte. This episode was put together by myself and Gabrielle Hilty. Thank you for listening live, and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>